We'll be reading from the Old Testament scripture and then on the New Testament scripture as well. But for the Old Testament scripture, may I ask everyone to read with me Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 13. And I'll be reading verses 1 to 9. Ezekiel 13, 1 to 9. The word of the Lord came to me, the Son of Man. Son of Man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone, you have not gone up into the breaches and built up a wall for the house of Israel, that it might stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen visions and lying divinations, they say, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. And yet, they have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divin divination? Whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who, have seen, who see false visions and give lying divinations. They have not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. And in reflection to the same kind of uh, warning, let us read from the New Testament. Chapter 1 John chapter 4, let us read from verses 1 to 6. The Apostle John said, and he wrote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the spirit of uh, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he is who is in you is greater than, who, than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God by contrast, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May the Lord add this blessing for the reading of his word. Let us all sit down. You know already that you have already visited the church when you're not already introduced. So <laughs> yeah, knowing that this is my second time here. And apparently when I was here, there were many people. And then Pastor Abbott explained to me that there majority or there are a lot of them that came out from heroes and and sabi niya pastor oh, this is the church so i'm glad to to finally have met you and known you and then at least have the privilege of preaching again here in this lord's day 
And by the way, I would like to introduce myself. I am Pastor Lance. And uh, recently, I spoke about the March of the True Church, and I asked Pastor Abed, Pastor Abed, pwede bang ito na rin yung i-preach ko for this Lord's Day morning? And he agreed. I was supposed to uh, preach on Job, but um, he said that it is okay. So uh, I think with this setting, with a more uh, few pe- fewer people than a conference, and then with a more intimate place, I'll be able to preach this more relaxed. Kasi when I preached this, I was actually hyper to preach ko to. So at least, mas uh, tone down, mas, uh, mas kalmado. Hindi na ako masyadong rhetorical. Okay. So, I'll be speaking about the marks of the true church. And we can read them at Belgic uh, Confession, Article 29. And since this is a preaching... Uh, I'll, uh, and uh, it, the, the format I have used is a lecture, I'll be doing more of a persuasive preaching style. So the, the task at hand is for us, for this Lord's Day, to go through the Belgic Confession, Article 29, the marks of the two church. But since we know it already, you can read it there in your uh, confessional standard. So that would not be what we, what we will be aiming for this Lord's Day. But what we'd like to do as a persuasive uh, uh, preaching is to give us reasons for believing whether or not the marks of the true church is truly biblical. Because if we are going to understand the importance of a confessional standard, it's primarily because we are convicted as believers that they are indeed truly biblical. And every time the merong persuasive uh, speech like this, the burden of proof is on the one who is speaking. Lagi yun. It will always be like that. So my, my task here is to convince us and to persuade us into believing the reasons to believe for the three marks. But at the same time, as a congregation, as one sitting on the other side of this preaching, We'll also hear this and then examine ourselves whether or not we truly believe this to be biblical talaga. Kasi pagka tinignan natin, kung hindi naman din siya biblical on our mind, then what's the point of confessing it? And the second part would be not just to convince you that it is uh, lalabas truly biblical, but rather also to motivate you to truly hold to it and be convicted to join a church who are bearing the true marks of the true church. And my prayer, after going through much of the exercise that we'll be doing this Lord's Day, that each one of us, the true believers of God, the elect of God, those who are called according to the purposes and according to his own will, will become part of the true church. And usually, I, I summarize my preaching ahead. Para pagka natapos na ang lahat, parang tapos na ang boxing, eh medyo malayo na ang narating natin. And since this is persuasive, so it would be logically um, uh, arranged and structured. But... To be ahead with everything that well, I'll be saying, I would like to summarize it by saying my, my thesis. So your thesis first has to be stated clearly. And the thesis is, I'll be explaining that from Scripture, we can be confident that it asserts 
that Christ is the Lord of his church. Again, the warrant has to be given. But that is the assertion. That scripture teaches us that Christ is the Lord of his church. And that he shares all the gifts and all the benefits of God's grace to his own people. Merong exclusivity doon. Hindi niya binibigay sa lahat. Hindi lang din to parang sinasabi natin na those who will believe are the ones na nakita ng Diyos across the corridors of time and they believe because of their free will. No, we're talking about here an active giving on the part of God, His sovereign choice to give it to His people and calling them as prophets, priests, and king in Him. And then He charged us with a gospel ministry that will be visibly demonstrated. Every time na pinag-uusapan natin ng three marks, we have to understand that what we're talking about here are not abstract things. These are not our conceptual things. Hindi rin ito yung mga bagay na hindi nakikita or invisible marks. These are visible, objective marks that are discernible by every believer here on earth. Therefore, God has given them. Now, I know that if you are a uh, three, three forms of unity person, then you should be able to recite it with me. But just for the sake of discussion, that would be three. Preaching of the gospel, administration of the sacrament, and the practice of church discipline. And as believing Christians, and the, the, the qualifier there is believing, because may generic term yung Christian itself. So as believing Christians... We are the ones proclaiming Christ. We proclaim Christ as Lord. We pray in thanksgiving and praise for God's marvelous works. And at the same time, we fight sin by the work of the Spirit. And that is the, the, the I would say, the prophet, priest, and king. Now, uh, yung progression ng ating uh, preaching will be divided into three. So progression to, because it will be building uh, one point will be built up by the previous point. So there are three. The first point would be the biblicality or the biblical marks of the true church. The second would be, in contrast, the mark of a false church. And then lastly, the duty of every believer. Now, if you're familiar with your confessional standard, then we would actually ask the question, Pastor, yung duty of every believer is nasa Article 29 and you're discussing Article 20, uh, nasa Article 28, but you're discussing Article 29. Yes, I would like to have the 29, 28 added at the end for exhortation. So I'll be discussing 29 mainly and I'll be ending with 28. I know that would not be logically uh, arranged properly according to the articles, but that would be the purpose, to exhort everyone to join the true church. Now, that would be the duty of every believer. Now, in some, the first would be to establish first for us the biblical warrant. Pag pinag-uusapan natin yung warrant, uh, this is a good exercise for all Christians because everyone would claim that they believe the Bible. One, everyone read their own Bible. Two, and everyone would say that what they believe are biblical. So the assertion here, since tayo yung nag-a-assert, kasi tayo nag-claim eh, so we should be able to provide the warrant. Pag sinabi natin warrant, yung basis mo for saying so. So first, we'll establish the biblical warrant for it. Okay? And there is a claim. That the claim is that the true marks of the true church, there are three, they are biblical. And that's the claim. 
The second one we we'll be aiming is we need to contrast it with our understanding of our prevailing conditions of our time. Because at the end of the day, what uh, Guido de Bray wrote in the 1600 would be for his own generation. But then the question remains, would it be relevant to me today? And that's a good question that needs to be answered because why bother, diba? If it happened already in the Reformation, why bother the Reformation today? So that would be the second aim. And lastly, then I will be exhorting us to become members of the true church. And I know in context, the church has just begun here, and that's a good time for us to learn more about this. Clarity of mind is key. And then um, clarity of our thoughts would be the one that will be uh, making sure that we will be able to address all the necessary concerns prior to becoming a member of the church. So before we begin, let us pray for an illumination prayer. Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us to also hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we'll be able to embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. When I was, um, I, I just recently moved to a rented space from Taguig, kasi we live in a condo, but then if you notice, my children are already growing. Hindi na yung kasha sa condo. So we decided to rent a house na they can have their own space. And then finally, it dawned on me that I haven't really um, taught them how to ride a bike. So that would be the sin of a father if my children would grow up saying, hindi naman po ako tinuro ng tatay kung magbisikleta. So that would be my failure. And uh, actually, hindi pa rin sila marunong magbike hanggang ngayon. Anyway, so so I have a bike. So I have a, um, I have a uh, mountain bike. And sadly, hindi na siya ride for a long, long time. But anyway, so I said, oh, uh, kuya, if you want to have my bike, you can ride it. You can practice uh, riding it. And then, uh, sabi niya, hey, uh, daddy, mataas masyado yung upuan eh. Ah, okay. O oh, sige, wait. Uh, let me check. I can put it down. But then apparently, I've learned and I'm not a good, I'm not a good uh, handyman actually sa bahay. Yun yung mga challenges ko sa buhay. You can make me uh, write a sermon uh, for how many times, but then having to fix a faucet, uh, that would be my my greatest weakness in life. Anyway, so nakita ko, uh, it was an Allen wrench. Actually, I have to Google what an Allen wrench is because apparently, all bikes pala have Allen wrenches for its bolts and nuts. And then, I don't have an Allen wrench uh, uh, set at home. So, I tried my standard Phillips, standard Phillips, hindi gumagana. Apparently, yung pala, the Allen wrench is an uh, hexagon type nut. So, I have to scourge my, meron naman akong toolbox. Maliit lang, pero meron naman. Decente naman, representable. So, I was able to uh, scourge a, 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 a bigger Allen wrench, but it doesn't fit. So, it was so frustrating. And then, I found out a smaller Allen wrench, but it's still too small. Dinalawa ko na, hindi ko pa rin maikot. So, I was a failure in that area. So, I convinced my wife, put the sa hardware, let me buy a set of Allen wrench. So when I bought an Allen wrench, it was a set na mga ako. Ganun pala yun, iba't ibang sizes. And it was so nice, so so arranged. And then finally, when I went back home, I was able to choose the right size for the wrench. And then I was able to 
uh, put it down and have him ride it. Although hindi rin siya natuto afterwards. Um, and then it led me to thinking that the importance of having the right tool at the right time. Having the right tool at the right time. Even if, let's say, you have the right tool and you don't have it at the right time, it doesn't really matter. We have to spend parking and then going gasoline with the car, going to the hardware, just to find the right size for the right uh, nut that time. So find the right tool, find the right time, and having it at the right time is, is actually essential to, to life. It makes life easier. And at the same time, in Christian maturity, having the right tools for discernment and using it when it is needed is actually essential to the maturity of a person as a Christian. And I have come to believe, and this is why it is more of a reason for believing, for us to be Reformed Christians, one of the greatest tools that we have in our toolbox are the confessional standards. And these are tools for discernment, meaning it helps us discern truth from error. But, but even if, let's say, we have the right tools, we, we know the Belgian Confession, it, it is there, but then not having to apply it and be able to do it and use it at the right moment, at the right time, then it doesn't really matter. It's just there, pretty, in the storage, nothing, it cannot be used. So in the end, having a right tool for discernment and use it at the right time is essential. So for us Christians, rehearsing all the reasons for believing, specifically what the confessional standard asserts, is a good exercise for all of us. And it can be done every Lord's Day. Of course, kaya lang syempre, alam naman every Lord's Day natin gawin yung ano. But then, uh, it would be good. So this Lord's Day, the question that I would like us to be able to go through with our minds for discernment is whether or not can we really believe that the marks of the true church are biblical. So the marks are three. So ang tanong pa rin, biblical ba ito? Because you'll be encountering other Christians generically. Meaning hindi naman lahat reformed Christians, tama ba? Not unless lahat kayo dito reformed, lahat ng kaibigan nyo reformed. But if you're like me, Meron kaming family ko is evangelical majority, may mga Pentecostal friends, may mga Reformed Christians ako na friends, pero there are but few. So, in our mental exercise, can we really truly answer the biblicality of the claim that there is such a thing as a Mark of True Church? And I believe the answer is yes. That there is a warrant from Scripture for all Christians what? To exercise wisdom when discerning truth from error, and we base it from there. That generically speaking, for every Christian, there is a warrant biblically for all of us, regardless of our background, to discern truth from error. And it is clear from Scripture that as Christians, we are called to uphold the truth and reject all kinds of falsehood. Now, there are several places in Scriptures that we can read them. And I've already read the Old Testament, um, the, the Old Testament passage from the Isaiah passage, exhorting the importance of discerning the difference between a false prophet who claims that they are saying what the Lord has said, but actually proven to be false. 
contrast to the true prophets of God, we're really saying what is true. And if you think about it, the same holds to with the same kind of seriousness the call for discernment for every New Testament Christian. And I would like us, I would like to turn our attention to again first John chapter four verses one to six. Now there are statements here that are explicitly commanding all believers to exercise spiritual discernment. The imperative would be to test the spirits. That is a command. That is an imperative. That is you. That is the reader. Okay? Now, even if we don't go through with the entire uh, structure, context, audience of the whole of the book of 1 John, we can take it at its face value, not a proof text, but explicitly a statement emphatically giving us a command that every believers are to exercise spiritual discernment. And since, and this is where First uh, John um, goes through with the argument, that since we are adopted as God's children, kaya technia po yan eh, kaya little children, it assumes conversion. In short, the doctrine of adoption is what is essential in understanding our calling to become testers of the Spirit. That we are adopted as God's children and this is a doctrine. And the imperative is then grounded in the indicative guaranteeing its success not from our own doing but by the abiding work of the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, if you just take the test the spirits, then generically apply it to everyone, then it would mean that everyone has the capability to do so. And that is the fault of most preaching and most teaching today. They apply this indiscriminately. But if you think about the whole context of the passage, the command to test the Spirit assumes adoption. And adoption is actually part and parcel, tama ba, of the whole ordo salutis. It is resulting from the justification that we have received through faith by the atoning work of Christ when we put our trust in it. So, if we are called to discern the truth from error and it assumes adoption, how can we do this? Well, John made in his inspired writing, in his, this errant, inerrant word of God, that we can know from uh, we can know false teaching by comparing it to the true doctrine of Christ. Now, the true doctrine of Christ that was mentioned from from the from what John wrote there is actually the doctrine of incarnation, specifically speaking. Because if Christ comes, if someone says that Christ did not come out from the flesh, then let it that it would be not from God. So it is essentially, if you think of Okay, what is the doctrine being talked about? Specifically, that's the doctrine of incarnation. So, the call for us to know, to know the truth from error is by comparing it with the true doctrine of Christ. The true doctrine of Christ makes Christianity unique from all of the religions of the world, including Judaism, which they all came out from. Because that would be the hermeneutic or the interpretative difference from all of the world religions, be it Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and the rest. Okay? So, how can we then discern this? 
if there is a true calling for us to, to know truth from error and we are tasked to test the spirit and that, that assumes adoption, then how can we do it? How can we discern false, uh, false teaching from the true teachings of Christ? Okay, so we can know this by holding on to the importance of the gospel message as a whole preached to us by the apostles. Why? Because all of Christianity, and we're talking about here generic muna, ang ginagawa natin dito is, um, logically speaking, from, um, from general to specific. So generally speaking, Christians regard Christ as important. Okay? So because all Christians or all of Christianity centers on this most important figure who is Jesus Christ, John pointed out the incarnation. Okay. However, we don't just have 1 John, tama ba? We have more than 1 John. We have the 7, 25, 27 books of the New Testament and we have 39 in the Old. So if we are comparing scripture with scripture, where else can we find the doctrine of Christ fully stated for us aside from what John said in the incarnation doctrine in 1 John 4? Well, if we are well-versed with scripture, I can point you to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 left us with a fuller inspired account of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, pag sinabi natin life, death, resurrection, somewhere in there that, that uh, histories, Historia Salutis are related to all the ordering of our uh, own salvation, which is partly adoption doon, tama ba? But then, essentially, pag tinignan mo, yung incarnation is not just what the fuller doctrine of Christ is all about, but it is His life, His death, and resurrection. Pag ginagawa kasi ng mga apostles natin, or the apostles who wrote scripture, that they're making fuller accounts of something, then it tends to be more important for us to know the whole of them rather than just in part. Because ibig sabihin natin, hey, incarnation lang importante because yun lang sinabi ni John sa 1 John 4. But oh, okay, wait, wait lang. But you have to harmonize it. Paul said that it's not just the incarnation, but it's also his death. It's also his resurrection. Now, in short, the apostles themselves pointed out to us the most important and most essential part in our lives as Christians, and it is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That the gospel is the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That the gospel is the person and work of Christ. So pag tinignan natin dito, generically speaking, meaning all Christians, given that we are all called to test the spirits, and all, call, and all are pointed to Christ, and the, the Christ that we are all pointed to, all of his life, death, and resurrection comprises the gospel message, then we can safely assume for reasons for believing, tama ba? That dun sa lahat ng, ng, ng ating uh, tinahak, everyone, everyone, every Christian must regard the gospel as the most important part of Christianity. Part of the hula, that's what I meant. Now, and the definition of the gospel is not that it's not a rocket science. We've arrived here with several points and we just pointed out some essential scriptural references 
we went to John, we went to Paul, and then we already realized that we're already there in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, shorthand, I always say life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but then, of course, you know that I meant including ascension, but then, again, just give me some leeway there. So I'll just summarize it by saying that the gospel is the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Para lang tapos na. And that's encompassing the person and his work. So, mabilis lang na-arrive natin yon. And if these are true, kaya tayo nagbibuild eh, from, from general to specific. And these are all true, then the gospel is the of most utmost importance in the church then it follows, because we are all testers of spirit of the spirits, tama ba? Then it follows that as Christians, we need to protect our churches from any error that moves us away from here. Pastor, paano mo nakuha yung nag-jump ka dun sa logic na yun? Well, simply lang. Because kung importante, tama ba, kailangan mo itong i-treasure. And everything that you treasure, you protect. It's not rocket science again. It's simply what humans are designed to do. It's natural for us. Every time that we value something, we protect it. And that is what we're saying here. If what we are saying is true, that the gospel is of utmost importance in Christianity, hindi ba dapat, and yun yung question ng rhetoric, na dapat protektahan din natin ito? Protektahan natin ito from what? From all of the errors that moves us away from this center. How do we know so? Kasi even if, let's say, I, I make some natural appeal in your hearts and say, hindi, importante, di ba? Kapag ka nag, ano ka, nagkakaroon ka ng importanteng bagay, pinaprotectahan mo. That's appeal to the flesh. Eh. But even if, let's say, that is true. Okay? But how can we know that it is really, truly true? Then we go back to Scripture. Kasi wala din naman authoritative dito. Hindi naman si Pastor Beth Abbott, hindi naman din ako. Even if I convince you, right, with my own logic, at the end of the day, how can we be sure that this gospel must be protected from all errors? Then I can already give you a good, good at, at some point, at least a background of what Paul was trying to convince the Galatian Christians in their churches when they allowed the Judaizers to enter them with false teaching that Christ is not enough, that the gospel is not enough. So, we can read from First Galatians, ah, sorry, not First Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. And if you have your scripture with me, please read with me. It reads, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, the language there points to us that the modifier different modifies the gospel, evangelion. Now, the evangelion there would be, again, what 1 Corinthians 15 have already defined. We've already defined it. So, you essentially, what is being modified there is the word gospel. In short, there is a kind of gospel that is not true to its essence or form. Essence and form dapat nagko-coincide po yan, ha? Hindi puro-puro essence lang, hindi rin puro form lang, dapat Parehas, essence and form. Now, ang sabi dito ni Paul, a different gospel. And there is a, well, wala naman talagang hyphenation dyan sa Greek. Pero it's more of making sure that it points out, okay, klaro, ipakiklaro pa. So, ang sabi ni Paul, not that there is another one, 
Okay? So parang na, na, yung different gospel now becomes further qualified. Now, we're not talking about here an existing gospel that is outside the gospel that we preach. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort this gospel. Meaning, they are trying to move you away from this. And Paul, in his apostolic authority, is warning the church and he knows that this warning will be read, will be given to us Christians here in uh, gathering together in Cornerstone, right? And he understood the importance of this warning. Okay, not that there is an, another, but, but wants to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, this is, hindi niya, to, hindi niya sinabi na thus says the Lord. Pero he always does that. Pag pinapoint out niya na strong yung uh, kanyang arguments and strong yung kanyang uh, authority and sinasabi niya na this is what it is, okay? Sinasabi niya yun with emphasis, okay? And this is what he said. But, even if we, even if kasama sila among themselves, or an angel, kasi merong tongues during that time, from heaven, should preach to you a gospel, and then that here, that second word, would, uh, the following word, would be contrary to the one that would be preaching to you. Now, that's a hard, hard, ano eh, that's hard negation. Pag sinabi mong contrary to, logistically speaking, if A is A and B is B, A is not B. B is not A. In short, the different gospel would be a contrary to the one A that we have given you. And then B will not be the gospel. So in short, it's a different gospel. It's another gospel altogether. Let him be a curse. And then he repeated it. Parabang ang dating is, kung hindi mo pa ako naintindihan sa first time na sinabi ko sa iyo to, let me repeat the apostolic command. As we have said before, and now I say it again, in saying kasi it's supposed to be writing yun, pero verbal, in short, binigay niya to as an oral command to people whom he have taught. And I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you've received, let him be a curse. And I think we can uh, deduce from there why they have to preserve the gospel writing of all of the episodes that the apostles they have given them. Because that would be secondary to the, the, the assurance that the gospel will be preserved. Now, I think the anatema from Paul here is empathic. When we say empathic, hindi ko na kailangang sabihin pa yung overall context, although important yung overall context, by the wordings themselves, you can already draw out what specific command that he is pointing out. And that is why we're doing it. We're not proof texting. Yun lang gusto ko ma- ma- mapatunayan. Kasi baka sabihin nyo, hindi, pinag-chow-chow-chow lang ni Pastor yung mga verses na yan. Eh, no, no. I'm arguing with you. You know your scripture, so let, let you should be able to discern whether or not just making some proof texting here. But the anathema is empathic, meaning you can really just read it plainly there. And there is no room for any middle ground. Logically speaking, the middle is excluded. Meaning there's no room for saying, hindi, closer naman sila eh. Hindi, hindi, um, somehow we can naman make some compromise and room for this. No, empathic yung sinabi eh. If it is not, if it is contrary to the one that you've received, you should make sure that 
it is anatomized. Yun yung command eh. So the middle ground is excluded. So that when discerning truth from error, anything that is not the truth must be considered as false. And since we have accepted that, uh, uh, we have accepted the scriptural exhortation to discern truth from error, and the gospel is the most important part of scripture, we should protect the gospel from all forms of error. And that is what Paul is making sure that the Galatian church understand, that the church here in Cornerstone Makati understands that the charge for the exclusivity of the claim of the gospel that has been written by the apostle must be protected at all times from all forms of error. That there is no room for contention on this knowing that all Christians consider themselves uh, true to the calling of discernment, okay? And even if they are coming from Christian backgrounds, we need to understand that the call to believe and to preach the gospel is a command given to all of us. I will not anymore go through the, the text, but it's there in Mark 16, tama ba? It is there in Mark, Matthew 28. So, hindi lang pinag-uusapan dito yung protecting, tama, yung understanding natin of the gospel, but there is a prior form that is assumed there, the preaching of it. Tama ba? The teaching of it. So the teaching, the preaching, the understanding, everything that, uh, that surrounds the gospel must be protected from all forms of error. Okay? So the preaching of the gospel, so kaya napunta na po tayo doon, is what Christ commanded for all his church to follow and it is the burden of this lecture Actually, sorry, the preaching, kasi it is a lecture eh. Sorry. The preaching, to persuade you to receive it as the primary mark of the means of grace of God. Now, dun po tayo tatalon. Kasi everyone would always say that the preaching of the gospel is important. But as a Reformed Christian, pag ginamp mo yung it is the primary means or the primary mark, of a true church, doon na po nagkakatalo. Okay. Kaya, the burden of proof there is on our side. Although I think that we can as, all agree commonly with everyone that discerning the mark of the true church is what scripture teaches and let us all concede that it is a biblical doctrine. Wag na natin pagtalunan yon. Parang ganun. And even if, let's say, May mga Christians that asserts otherwise, okay, they're not biblical. Yun lang ang point. Now, let us pause for a while before we continue to the other two marks kasi magiging three-hour preaching yun eh. So let's conserve to one lang, di ba? Okay, one-hour preaching lang. So let me pause for, for a while there kasi I think I already made that case. Now, let us make a contrast now. Because discerning truth from error, we must know the error first. Okay. So what makes a false church? Now, some might be tempted to excuse themselves, even in their own churches, in their own relatives, even every other Christians that you know. They're saying, na, 
Well, Pastor, we're very active naman in participating in all the evangelical, uh, evangelistic programs and evangelistic activities that our church are doing. Actually, if you look at our achievements uh, at the uh, uh, achievements in the uh, reporting of all the churches, kami nga yung pinakamaraming mga na-evangelize at maraming nako-convert at marami kaming nababaptize. Uh, we are among the highest who brings more people to Christ. We have this expression in Unida, which wala naman dito, although of course it would not be nice. Well, anyway, so I'm just saying na merong mga, may mga type of wordings na parang they, they make it appear that uh, they are the ones doing the, the people, why the people go to church. May ganun eh. Pero besides the point, I don't want to be... Um, uh, negative about that. So, ang, ang point lang is, people will still say that they're doing evangelistic services, they have a lot of evangelistic programs, and this is perhaps all well and good. I said perhaps. Uh, perhaps all well and good. But I think what is sometimes missed there is this, and this is the thrust of what I wanted to share as a critical part of thinking through the marks of the church. Because we have to understand that the preaching of the gospel is tied with the all-sufficiency or the all-sufficient doctrine of scripture. Ulitin ko po. We can never claim that we are preaching the truth gospel if we do not teach the all-sufficient, inerrant, inspired word of God. I think that is where the difference lie. Na kapag pinag-uusapan po natin ang preaching of the gospel, some have assumed na basta meron lang mga uh, call for repentance, merong uh, call for faith, and merong mga taong nagpupunta, they just make some conclusions. Ah, okay, the gospel there is being preached. But scripture, as reform, and may sikip na po tayo, nandito na tayo sa reform thought. At, at, but as a reformed Christian, what we mean when we say the preaching of the gospel is being uh, the gospel is being preached, it means that the whole counsel of God is being preached, because we'll be we may be able to hear some parts of Scripture and some parts of things that being said in the pulpit, but are the whole counsel of God being preached there? I think that is the most important critical question that we should raise. That when we mean that, that we are preaching the gospel of Christ, that we are undermining all governing authorities which are man-made and the rule and rule over all traditions of men. Uh, I've been um, attending recently other uh, churches, not, not just this church, but... Uh, I've been attending several churches because I came out from evangelical background. My father is an evangelical pastor. My father's father is an evangelical pastor. I came out from an evangelical family. And I've been out of the circuit, circuit, you know, of the circuit of it, of the whole of it, of the whole bubble for seven years now. Seven years. Seven years. And uh, by God's grace, I was able to uh, bring out my family there with all much tears and, you know, all the drama. and But again, those are the things that must happen. But, but then recently, I went back. I went back, hearing samples of preaching twice or thrice. And my heart 
still saddened to really understand that while I've been there, I've left seven years, but not much of the preaching has changed. The preaching still surrounds to the general idea. Actually, uh, mag-start sa praise and worship, paiyakin ako nung nando sa harapan. Ako naman, bes, hindi ako nagpunta dito para humiyak. <laughs> Gusto ko sana makarinig ng preaching. Pero, he, he, she and hands up, up, dalawa yun eh, babae at lalaki, magkaibang church, they, they, have, they have done everything that they, have, they could to make me cry. But apparently, I'm not that kind of person anymore. Siguro seven years ago, it would be me. But I'm not anymore a crying person. Although sometimes I cry during preaching. But, uh, but I'm not anymore moved by that kind of... Kasi parang nat, matatawa ka na lang. Parang inisip mo, bakit ba lahat ng mga praise and worship leader laging may problema? Lahat na lang. Basta may, dito sa church na to may problema siya. And then iiyak niya sa Panginoon. May ganun-ganun. And not to... Not to caricaturize it, but the point is there, it's too much, no gospel. And then you're expecting preacher standing up. And then when the preacher stood up, and I know the preacher, I know him, I've known him for all my life. And there's not much of a difference what he preached. More, more likely, uh, actually, I'm preaching today, it's either may nag-a-announce ng mga kailangang i-report, parang announcement ang nangyari, or may mga activities na kailangang gawin. And that's preaching already. Where is Christ there? I haven't heard any scripture expounded. I haven't heard anything that explains to me why, why Christ is important and why do I need to believe them. So it is really sad because essentially, while people would say that they are doing much of evangelistic programs and activities, there's not much gospel there because what's amiss is that no one is preaching the whole counsel of God. And this is essentially what we mean when we say sola scriptura is applied to the mission of the church. Um, and this is quite a challenge in the, the, the circle that we are in. We are always, of course, open to the understanding that we should um, um, be in coalition with other churches that are preaching the true gospel of Christ. And that's, that's true and that's, that's good. It's just that sometimes we check out sola scriptura to compromise our position for the sake of the gospel. I'm not saying anyone in particular, okay? But that's the warning. But sola scriptura must be applied to the mission of the church. That, what, that is what makes us reformed Christians, tama ba? Because if we just say, oh, sola scriptura ako sa understanding ng soteriology, pero hindi ako sola scriptura sa understanding of ecclesiology, then that's, not an- that's another matter altogether. That's why hindi ko i-discuss yung sacrament mamaya. Eh. Kasi masyado mahaba yun. Pero you know what I mean. Okay? So, sola scriptura must be applied to the mission of the church. The preaching of the true, pure gospel of Christ is the, and this is where the challenge lies for most churches, do you truly believe that the preaching of the gospel alone is what converts people to faith and repentance? I think that is where the difference also consequentially comes out from understanding sola scriptura. Because if there are other means upon which people get converted, okay, then I think that's not anymore reform. And I think that's not anymore what scripture teaches. Because we have to understand that the primary means of converting to faith and repentance must be the preaching of the gospel, thereby abandoning all, abandoning all God-dishonoring means 
which men add to the all-sufficient word of, word of God. Guido de Bray, the one who wrote uh, the Belgian Confession, expounds, as for the false church, it assigns more authority to itself, to its ordinances, than the word of God. It does not want to subject itself to the yoke of Christ. Yung phraseology na yoke of Christ was also mentioned in the previous uh, article. And it's a good, uh, good word to signal for us that while the yoke of Christ is gentle and lowly. Tama ba? Yun yung sa sinabi ni Christ himself eh. However, yoke connotes burden. Kasi yoke kasi denotes that Christ is the one whom you are co-yoking with, making it a gentle and lowly yoke. Pero still, it doesn't take out the meaning of the term yoke as a burden. In short, may command siya, may duty siya, may obligation siya. Na if we are not actually, uh, only if we want only to receive all the benefits but not the responsibility, Parang ang term is, maraming gustong maging reform until we are now beginning to do reform stuff. Because when the limitation comes in, then nagpipiglasan na yung mga tao. Kasi, ay, thank you. Kasi pag tinignan natin, marami rin um, popularity na nagko-contribute ngayon to reform teaching kasi accessible sa internet. Pero once na pinag-uusapan na yung nitty-gritty of what it means to become a member of the church, napapabay, nabibitawan na siya. Yun yung point. But here, the yoke requires for us to understand, yes, it's gentle and lowly, but it also connotes. It denotes, yes, gentle and lowly, but it connotes for us a burden, meaning we have to be responsible also in understanding what it means. So, asa tayo? what it means. So, sadly, today's churches obsesses, obsess itself with the growing of the church and sought many ways of increasing her, her membership. Finding uh, any means possible, and we're talking about means here, uh, she determined to adopt very pragmatic ways of attracting people to attend worship services. I'm speaking about a specific movement, the church growth movement of the 90s. It was popularized of some means of growing the church through the use of psychological and sociological approaches or strategies. As a, uh, as a professional myself, I would always want to know more about data pertaining to sociology and psychology. Peter Wagner, and uh, Peter Wagner lang na top, top, top of mind ko. Pero there are several who are really good scholars to that. I'm not I'm not demeaning their work. I'm just saying that when you read them, it is clear there that what becomes the primary means, and although they, no one would admit it because preaching would still be part of the strategy of uh, making a church grow, but if you think about it, the thrust of the thesis would be more focused on underlying sociological assumptions. Uh, yung mga tipong kaya mas ma mabilis ma-convert ang whole family kapag nandun yung tatay is because the tatay would be the one heading the family making everyone sociologically uh, sociologically conditioned to follow what the father is doing. That's well and true. We're, we're saying that even in our own preaching 
but the assumption, the underlying assumption are data proven that has been, data science kasi yun eh, that has been surveyed, ganon. So, sociological means. And what we're contending, it's a contention, what we're contending is, while we, while maturity, uh, prudence requires that we should be able to discern uh, specific issues from specific target markets, but that is not a primary means. It's not even a grace. So that's the problem. But the church growth movement have done that. And adopting this mindset, uh, these churches attract crowds by the thousands. It seems that the method succeeded. And yun yung, yun yung problem of criticizing, never criticize what God's blessing. Tama ba? Yun yung laging idiomatic expression na ko. Never criticizes what God is blessing. Yeah, but I can criticize if it's wrong. So regardless of whether it God, I see it, it's being blessed numerically, it doesn't really matter to me. But it is succeeding. So you have to concede that. Because if it did not succeed, then we should not be very, very just a small group of people here. Tama ba? Because if you think about it, all, all through preaching gospel churches would have more people. But it's not the reality. So you concede with it. Tama naman. It, it seems to be showing much success and it really succeeded. And several church leaders have already joined this bandwagon of, or, uh, of, uh, of abandoning the ordinary ways of growing the church and embracing by wholesale uh, a new and hip way of doing church. And sadly, many have forgotten the God-appointed ordinary means of growing a church. Now, that's the keys of the kingdom. I don't have time to do it here. It's a different preaching altogether. But the point there is, is that uh, the keys of the kingdom are the God-appointed means of growing the church. And the preaching of the gospel is the primary means of applying the doctrine of scripture in the church. Okay? And we firmly believe that it alone marks the true church while adding to it makes one false and makes, and that is an exclusive claim. And I think this is where the discomfort lies. Kasi no one wants to be a party pooper, di ba? Wala namang gusto magsabi na pumunta sa isang party at sa isang crowd na, ay, ito naman taong to, napaka-nega. Lahat na lang false church. I mean, I understand that. That's why um, persuasive and apologetic yung, yung uh, tone. Uh, sino bang gusto na hindi marami? Di ba? Wala naman. Mag-argue na hindi yun maganda. Okay? But this is where the, I think the discomfort lies. And this is where the duty of every believer must be uh, discussed. That even while most Christians are readily saying, Amen! We should preach the gospel. The gospel is important. The preaching of the gospel is important. And yet, not all will live out the implication of the exclusivity of the claim. That there are false churches and it they abound that only the true ones are the ones preaching the true gospel of Christ. The sin of evangelicalism today, and when I say evangelicalism, let's not just pattern it with what the Americans are doing. Because although I don't understand, kung anong naging uso sa states, uso na din dito yan, bigyan mo lang ng ilang buwan. Ngayon, bumibilis na because of social media. Pero back then, mas mabagal. But even if, we observe evangelicalism today. When I say broad evangelicalism, anyone who identifies themselves as Christians, mostly loose, loose associations, okay? Hindi Roman Catholic, bottom line, 
Okay, marami yun eh. Actually, mga around 5% yun by total population. Okay? And yet, uh, the sin of evangelicalism today is not that they are not believing scripture or even their Bibles. Their sin is that they are not willing to be exclusive in this truth. And that's where all of us comes. Nandun po tayo sa labas nun eh. Because that stand will remain. That anyone who does not accept the exclusivity of the claim is actually not a true church. Okay? Okay? So, by force of logic, by trying to accommodate everyone, you have accommodate none. Because if you by trying to be more inclusive, you're actually being exclusive. The opposite. Trying to please everyone will not help. Because the gospel itself has an exclusive claim, a truth claim, making everything else false. Which is why I know sometimes those who are new to the Reformed faith often weaponize this doctrine. And this is where maturity comes in. I've been a Reformed Christian for seven years. So, nandun ako sa JCRC Imus, medyo yung yun yung bubble ko. I, this is the only period of time that I'm able to go out much para akong, uh, akong pinalaki sa bahay na hindi lumalabas. So, ngayon lang ako nakalabas-labas. So, medyo masaya naman. Try nyo rin, nakalabas-labas. <laughs> so, nakalabas-labas ako. So, pero napansin ko na yung current... Um, current membership ng church namin sa Imus are all new to the Reformed faith. Mostly coming from Pentecostal background, but not evangelical anymore. Pentecostal background. True, true blooded Pentecostals. And then papasok sa church. And then magkakaroon ng social media account. And then matututo ng soteriology ng Calvin. And then tuliper na. And we neponize na. Na lahat na lang yata ng kakilala niya false Christians. Ako naman, uh, ate, wait lang. <laughs> Chill lang. And this is where I think cage stage comes in. And this is uh, sobre, eh. parang lahat na lang hindi hindi Christiano. And the term that I would like to under for everyone to it's you are actually weaponizing the doctrine. You don't weaponize the doctrine. Okay, we don't weaponize pinpointing. Oh, this is the true church. Oh, this is a false church. Oh, yan namang church na sa kabilayan, false church yan. I can say it politely. But I don't say it to weaponize it. Actually, I don't want us as pastors, pastorally speaking, I don't want us to weaponize this doctrine of true and false church to put down fellow Christians or even ridicule them for not knowing any better. Alam niyo po, ang lagi ko pong reference yan, yung nanay ko. My mom, for the longest time, very Christian, kaya naman ako natuto ng Christianity, but we'll never be equipped of knowing a lot of things, specifically of the things that I have experienced. So if I cannot make my mom understand this, and then if that meant na me ridiculing others who doesn't know better, I will always be reminded, hey, nanay mo nga eh. So anong gusto mo gawin sa nanay mo? Will you put down your mom? And that would be disrespectful. Any culture will dislike you for that. You're not trying to please men. You're just trying to be respectful. If this is a public arena and this is a public preaching, if nakarecord to, then, di ba? Marinig to eh. And why would I do that? Di ba? Why would I do that? There is much, and I, I am for standing for truth. And um, 
And I'm not the standard of truth. I'm saying, si pastor, hindi ayaw, pinuput down yung nanay niya. Okay, fine. That would be me. Okay? But then, what I'm saying is, still, there must be decency, respectability, and gentleness to what we are doing. Let's not weaponize this. I think the purpose of having the tools for discernment, and that is the tool of the Allen Ranch that I referred to a while ago. If you think about it, having the right tool at the right time is essential, and it is discernment. You don't do this para bang kahit kanino na lang. Piliin mo naman, kapatid. Huwag naman tayo padalos-dalos, di ba? Piliin mo naman. Pahinay-hinay lang, di ba? Let us use these tools of discernment to bring the gospel light to every creature and not to foolishly burn others away from it. Because I've seen this. I've seen the collateral damage. Na meron sana mga maaayos na mga tao na na-turn off sa, sa Calvinistic faith, yung mga reform-reform na yan, kasi ang yayabang eh. Yayabang naman talaga. Kala mo sila lang maliligtas. And that's true. True. And I, I, I don't want to, ano, kumbagay sabihin, true agad. Let's not anymore, hindi, alam, alam mo, masama lang ang gising nun. Hindi, ganun talaga siya. Kasi meron talagang, may some sense of parang gigil na gigil kapag natutunan mo yung katotohanan. Pero hinay-hinay lang. Hinay-hinay lang. Now every, however, but still, let's balance it. The duty of every believer to join a church preaching the gospel of Christ is a command. And that command assumes what? The regeneration of the Spirit and the conversion to faith and repentance. In short, and this is what I want to emphasize, that only true believers will seek to become members of a true church manifesting the true marks listed here. Now, I have to lay down some assumptions here because we need we need to understand that while it is our duty to become part of the true church, then how can we practically do it? Tama ba? Kasi, pastorally speaking, pag may darating at magsasabi sa akin, ah, pastor, ang tagal ko na naghahanap ng reformed church. Reformed church ba to? Ako naman. Of course. <laughs> the joke lang. And then parang, uh, I would uh, quiz them about what they know about it muna magkakaalaman muna eh. Alam ka namang, hindi din niya alam ko ano yung three marks. So, and then I will tell them the three marks. And much of the inquiries class that I've been through, and I've been through a lot, uh, laging ganun yun. Nag- tet- nag- nagkakaroon kayo ng examination with one another. Actually, most of the time, the inquiries is not the examination of the members by the pastor, but most of the time, because of the movement of some of the reformation today, sila yung nag inquire So, pastor, ano ba ang three forms of unity? Pag di mo nasagot yun, ay, hindi to ano, hindi to ano, hindi to reform. May ganun eh. Kaya nga ako, pagka natatanong ako, di ko alam, syempre napapahiya ka naman kasi representative of the reform faith. So, ganun doon. So, pag, pagka tinanong, pastor, what, what, what then would I want to to what do, what do I need to do then to belong to a, new, uh, to a true church? Now, this is where discernment and wisdom comes with Christian maturity. And I've already emphasized that only true believers will do this. Huh? Kasi even if, let's say, may hypocrites, and we assume that, and that's part and parcel of what we believe, may hypocrites talaga nasasama eh. Meron talaga. And the, the task of the pastor is to discern it. Kasi syempre, hindi rin niya malalaman yung hearts of hearts. Eh. Madidiscern lang niya yun. Hindi rin siya magiging very particular whether or not 
talagang nandun o hindi. He can always just refer, there will be hypocrites. They will be joining true churches. But one thing is for sure, if there are true churches, true believers belong to it. As a consequence, pabaliktad po yung, yung logic. Ang nag-uphold ng true church is the understanding that there will be true converts to those churches. That's why true churches exist. Okay? So, what would be the most practical uh, advice that I can give in finding a true church? Well, since I've gone through several uh, interviews already with a lot of members, I think since church membership is no longer practice, and you can, con- you can say otherwise and, and challenge me with that statement, and I would say na lang, often neglected na lang. Para naman may charitable ako ng konti. Okay. Becoming part of the true church as its member has become optional. And that's the trend. I think that that is why anyone who wants to uh, ask me particularities on how this can be done is I would say go to a church who takes church membership seriously. Madali lang naman yan. Ask the basic question, how can I become a member of this church? And sadly, a lot of churches will not know how to answer the question. Truthfully. Kasi yung sampling ko, although baka nasa kabiti lang kami, will say, Pastor, wala kami church membership eh. Ganon kasimple. And Pastor, ano ba yung church membership? So I have to explain, the burden of proof is with me. Pero yung basic question, kung let's say, ikaw ay isang uh, inquirer, Pastor, paano ba ako magiging member ng church na yan? And if hindi ka nasagot, then you got your answer. That's it. That's how simple it can be. If hindi ka nasagot nung office bearer na yon on how to become a member of the church, I think there's a problem in that church. Practically speaking, again, I can be amissed. But that's the most practical I can say. That if we, if we, if the question remained unanswered, then you have to continue searching for another church. And my exhortation is to never settle attending a false church. Never settle. Why? Because this is a question of perseverance to continuing moving forward towards the maturity of all the saints in Christ. So I assume regeneration and conversion, tama ba? So the question of whether or not you are obligated to join a true church, that's a question of perseverance. Perseverance of the saints. Because no one will persevere here in this life as a true believer outside the membership of the true church. And that's empathic. So magsisik out talaga siya. Magsisik. Now, I know I had um, no time to expound the last two marks of the true church the sacrament and the discipline, but simply put, the two flows from the preaching of the gospel. That the, the two supports the first, making sure that all believers are, one, disciplined to maturity, second, assured of their faith by the sacraments. Pag tinanong ako, Pastor, pwede ba na isa lang, wala yung dalawa? Ang sagot ko, of course, hindi. What's the point of having a standard if we're just believing substandard? Sa bahay namin, napansin ko na yung pagkakagawa ng, uh, ng, uh, ng bubong namin is substandard. So nung nagbagyo ng paeng, pinasok kami ng tubig. 
So, hindi ko naman pwedeng sabihin doon sa gagawa, ah, ah sir, paki-substandard ulit, ha? Paki-substandard ulit. <laughs> kasi gusto ko, pag bumaba, umuulang bumaba sa bahay, eh. Parang, kasi, actually, yun lagi ang, kasi marami magtatanong. So, pastor, eh, eh, pastor, mabait naman yung pastor, eh. Matanda na siya. Matanda na siya, pero mabait naman siya. I'm not against the, the pastor na mabait siya. But then, it's the church ha, bearing the three marks. Di pastor, nag-exhort naman siya ng scripture. Oh, wala namang problema. I am well and good for you on that. But are you looking for the standard of tools of discernment that the Belgic Confession is saying? Then that is not it. Now, I'm, eh, pastor naman, gusto mo, mamayahe ako ng tatlong oras. Eh, lahat ng yun, patong-patong na yun eh, ng question na, Pag ako ang tinanong, I know that there will be reasons for not becoming a member of a, a true church. I have heard the list. Okay, I've heard it as a pastor. So, I will now concede to all of you that they are valid. Para tapos na. Sige, bigyan mo ako ng reason, check ang ko. Sige, valid yung reason. Kahit na hindi valid. Kasi hindi ko hindi mo maalala kung valid o hindi. Okay? Pero let's say, that I will concede to it because I know that there are really true barriers of the duty that we are talking about here. But concede with me as well that whenever you plead for the exception, you always affirm the rule. Ganun lang kasimple. Because it, it doesn't, sa akin kasi, mayroon tayong different circumstances. But are you with me with the rule? That's the point. Kasi may, pwede nga nangyayari, binibigyan mo lang ako ng rason kasi you really true na not believing the rule. But then for my mind, every time you're making exceptions to this rule, I know that you are only just establishing the rule that I have just said to you. And the rule are, true churches preaches the true gospel, administer the sacraments, and have church discipline. Without it, that is not a true church. And that is an exclusive claim. Okay? That is an exclusive claim. When the pure gospel of Christ is preached, God's people are converted. And those who are converted matures as they continue to submit to the authority of God's word and eventually order themselves to the proper administration of the sacraments and church discipline. So when Pastor Abbott explained to me the status of the church, I already truly know that if you're not yet doing some sacraments and discipline, I know where you are. Tama ba? You're not even naman claiming to, to everyone that who you are not. I think yun lang naman yung dapat na malinaw eh. Yun lang naman yung dapat na malinaw. Now, hindi big sabihin na true church ngayon, true church na bukas, doesn't follow as well. Doesn't really follow. Because eventually, if the pastor dies, if anyone dies there, if there is a failure in some of the leadership and failure in the ordering of the church, eventually they will die. But the task at hand is to never settle never give never settle with some valid excuses and exceptions move forward find a true church because what i'm assuming here is when the sheep are listening to the shepherd's voice they will not settle for a false church because ultimately it is a call to persevere until the end and we all know that it is god who preserves his people the perseverance of the saints is grounded in the preserving work of God in His Word and Spirit. So I pray that our Lord Jesus Christ will continue to build up His church in every generation and His people to continue to belong in them 
as those who are called and elected by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sanctified by the Spirit.